from the Sammamish Independent, I'm Julia Gudis, your host, and you're listening to Indie On Air. It's Wednesday, December 1st, and this week I'm joined by Sarah Stoud to discuss a national issue from a more local level. Teachers all across the country are being targeted for left-leaning curriculums by conservatives, including topics such as critical race theory and ethnic studies. With words like indoctrination and anti-American being thrown around, especially with teachers in our local school districts, we decided to get two different perspectives on this controversy. We talked to a conservative radio host and a humanities teacher from Eastlake High School to see how far apart the two sides really are on this issue. Stay with us. Hey, Sarish, how are you doing? I'm good, Julia. Thanks for asking. So I've been keeping up with the news lately, and I noticed that humanities curriculums are becoming a hot topic. That's so true. I've been hearing about teachers across the United States being targeted because conservatives allege overly political or specifically left-leaning stances in the classroom. Right. Critics are concerned that students are becoming indoctrinated, meaning they're being taught what to think instead of how to think. In response, multiple Republican states have banned the teaching of critical race theory in schools this year, and Glenn Youngkin, who won a very competitive gubernatorial race in Virginia, made conservative education reform a centerpiece in his campaign platform. The fight over what education should look like for students is rapidly unfolding in public and private schools, statewide curriculum committees, and private Facebook groups. Our first guest is Jason Rance, a conservative talk show host writer, and political analyst in the state, covering stories for both My Northwest and Fox News. So Jason, tell us about how you got into journalism and what drives you. So as far as the radio side goes, I've been doing radio, oddly enough, since I was about 16 years old. I got started on the producing side of things. I started as a screener and I fell in love with the medium. I, I've always listened to talk radio when I was younger with my parents that they would drive me to school or drive me home after school. And my ideological worldview was impacted by college where uh, frankly, I went in kind of liberal or maybe not really knowing what I thought like most people of a certain age. And I realized very quickly that the school I was at was not giving me all different sides of issues and I did the research on my own because I'm that kind of person and I realized that the conservative uh, viewpoint on most issues not all most issues were more in line with how I felt or how I wanted to feel about issues that connected better and it just grew from there. I think it's really interesting how you formed your worldview through life experiences because many of us teenagers and young adults can relate to it. Can you tell us about specific instances that you faced throughout your academic career that inspired you to advocate for students' education? When I went to college, I knew I was interested in politics and I knew I was going to get politics as a major. Politics 101 was a course that was taught to me by a professor who turns out was very, very far to left. But as I was learning about the, the various materials that they were giving us, I realized very quickly that it was just coming from one source. It was coming from one ideological background. I think the danger in doing that is you are not a well-rounded person if you don't experience different points of view. It's certainly okay to have a little bit prodding from both sides, 
along the way. And obviously parents play a huge role in the ideological background that a, a kid ends up adopting. And I think that we do a disservice to students by not providing all sides of issues rather than teaching kids how to think. We're seeing more and more of this drift into teaching kids what to think. And I think, I think at the end of the day, this is obviously a really big issue nationally because of what happened during COVID. The one thing that I think was a benefit to the online teaching, which I think ultimately was awful for students. But at the end of the day, a lot of parents started to wake up and, and literally heard what some of the teachers were saying to their kids in what was a math course. And then all of a sudden they're being told that it's their jobs to uh, dismantle systems of oppression. And the parents say, I thought this was algebra. What is going on? You mentioned that parents are getting more involved in what their kids are learning, especially due to remote learning during the pandemic. But how has this issue turned from just parent involvement to a larger interest of the Republican Party, which even finds its way into election campaign platforms? It's, it's, being, it's resonating with conservatives because it's wrong, and one side finds it wrong because it's their side ideologically that's being either ignored or demonized. Conservatives don't want to teach their kids this kind of thinking on a lot of these issues. They would rather you learn the actual material that you're supposed to be taught and then come up, you know, on, on their own with their with their worldview. I, I think, to be fair, I think that if there was a lot of conservative teachers using the classroom to spew political beliefs, I think conservatives would be a little less likely to be outraged. And very clearly, liberal parents would be outraged and they would be right to be upset with that. And I just think right now, because the conservative parents are the ones who are having kids who are victimized by this one-sided ideology, by this bias, that they're more willing to speak up. How would you address the criticisms that your articles can negatively impact school environments, especially after your article about Eastlake High School came out and school staff even received death threats? Uh, very simply, I would say we're obviously not responsible for things that people say or do or how they react. That's not directly related to any call to action. This idea that a criticism might lead to a negative reaction from some stranger, if we were to use that standard in whether or not we're going to publish something or broadcast something, well, then we would never criticize anything. At no point would we then be allowed to criticize something. So, for example, you asking me that question, let's say it put me in a, a negative light with some of your listeners and one of them sends me a death threat. Is that your fault for asking me that question? Of course not. That's a valid question and you should ask that question. We should always be questioning things. This idea that suddenly one person's reaction or a few people's reactions, if it's coming out of place where it wasn't called for, then I don't think that we should be putting that kind of onus on the author of a piece or a broadcaster of a piece if it was done in good in with good intentions. So Jason, can you tell us about your end goal and what would an ideal educational setting look like for students in your opinion? Education should look like education's supposed to be, which is apolitical. If you're in math class, you learn math. If you're in science class, you learn science. If you're in history, yeah, you learn history, including some of the bad parts. But when we have teachers who are editorializing, instead of presenting just facts, that's where it skews in a way that I think is inappropriate. At the end of the day, you're supposed to be a well-informed citizen. You're supposed to have basic sets of knowledge. And of course, we can always tweak that. I think we have to just focus on the educational aspect and not the editorializing. 
And that, by the way, is true of any school or any teacher that takes the conservative perspective. Thank you for speaking to us, Mr. Rance. When looking at the broad topic of education and how it intersects with politics, I think it's important to have a holistic mindset and gather different perspectives. I thought Rance's response was very insightful for getting that conservative point of view on education. What did you think, Sarish? His perspective is vital to understanding this national debate and why conservatives are making this their cause, both in the media and in political campaigns. However, there is another side to the story, the teacher side. Our next guest is Shyla Hodgins, who teaches the University of Washington level courses at Eastlake High School for language and composition. To start off, Ms. Hodgins, tell us about why you got into teaching and a brief summary of your curriculum. Um, my journey to being a teacher, um, and the teacher that I am right now, is the result of some incredible friends and colleagues and historians and authors and artists and philosophers of color who have put in so much labor that has often gone without praise and recognition. Um, my practice as a teacher is nothing without those minds. I am starting my sixth year at Eastlake. I have taught U.S. history and literature and two University of Washington and high school courses, a composition course, American Ethnic English, and a comparative literature course, Margins and Centers. I have the privilege of working with several other high school educators around the Seattle area and the guidance of an incredible professor at the UW. So it's safe to say that you have a lot of experience teaching humanities to students. Over the years, with what lens do you teach your students in the classroom? And what are some important values that you uphold? Um, I do my best to teach through the lens of justice in a way that centers a diverse range of experiences and backgrounds. I want my students to see themselves in the classroom, to see that they are valued, heard, and supported. And I want them to know that I stand with them in the continued fight for equal rights and a more equitable world. With this national issue of teachers being criticized for their curriculums, how have you been feeling? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I am tired and I'm frustrated. Um, sometimes I'm nervous and Sometimes I'm angry. Um, I've seen my colleagues get hurt and I've seen and been in conversations um, where we're seeing this truly nationwide. Um, I don't face the same pushback as many of my um, BIPOC colleagues. Um, and in that, just looking at that pushback, knowing that that pushback is differentiated, right, um, is problematic. And at the same time, it makes me so much more convinced that what I'm doing is the right thing to do. We hear you, Ms. Hodgins, and you are not alone in feeling this way. Teachers all across the United States are banding together to share their perspective on this ongoing debate. But how has the situation personally affected your teaching? Knowing that our teachers face a real physical and emotional, and by that I mean the doxing, uh, this threat from uh, students, from their colleagues, from the community, from all the way across the country, 
um, for <laughs> teaching about race, teaching about gender, sexual orientation, any category that would be fit under this, I, you know, this um, a marginalized persons. Um, it's disheartening, and and it's unsurprising. Uh, the classes that I teach, before I taught them, and while I've taught them, the class is called American Ethnic English. And so it brings up this question of who, you know, who gets to be part of the majority? Who gets to be American? And that, you know, that's from parent and from students. Um, it's been said that it's too liberal, right? What is controversial about talking about systems of oppression? What is controversial about talking about race and equal rights? What do you think the potential impacts are on students when teachers bring in their own politics into their teaching? There's no neutral spaces, right? We always bring in our, our politics because our history and the systems that we've created mean that our identities, our histories are tied to politics. It's just, that's what happens. And so when we walk in the room, we carry these biases um, and these biases are, you know, sometimes when someone walks in the room, their entire identity is on display, right? So we know that sometimes we walk in a room with these deep down or more obvious biases, maybe it's racial, maybe it's religious, um, they're always with us. You mentioned that politics never leaves the classroom because people's histories and identities are tied to these systems of oppression. But to address the concerns that students are not being taught what to think, but how to think, what is your ultimate goal in the classroom? The goal in the classroom is for it to be student-centered. And at the same time, teachers are going to teach from the lens of their own experiences because that is what they know. And, you know, they are bringing their identities and that's valued. It's valuable that I think that students know who they're working with because it feels inauthentic to me. And I've said this before, but I don't mind if a student doesn't like me or doesn't like what I believe in or anything, we're here to learn. And I learn just as much when I'm, you know, challenged and people ask questions. From the history that I've studied, I, one of my morals and values is to show up for equal rights. So in my class, we're going to center, right, if we're looking at economic policies, we're not just going to look at economic policies from this, like, oh, it happened and here's the theory behind it. We're going to look at the impact on people because you can't separate economic policies from actual impacts. Looking at it from a diverse range of perspectives and then analyze that data. What does that mean? What does that reveal? And more than not, it reveals that there are these differences, these unequal experiences. And so what is the impact on students if you center your curriculum that way? You all have the opportunity to figure out the way that you think about it, right? If I provide those, that information and we talk about how it happens, why it happens, what it means for us, then it's all about you walking away from it, thinking critically, asking questions. And lastly, what would you say to people who believe this form of teaching is indoctrination or forcing students to think or feel a certain way? I mean, we're really transparent. Um, all of everything that I do 
is available to all of you students, all the parents. Um, it's not private. And so I, I am open to dialogue. I would ask and invite those parents or those students, let's come and talk. I want to hear what those fears are, right? Because that's where it's coming from. Indoctrination, worried about what's happening to their kids, not being able to be there, right? I would encourage those families or community members to come in and talk to me. What are they concerned about? And how can, you know, how can we look at this, right? With that parent, I would say, what is anti-American about this class? If all of it is, is centered around different American identities. What does that mean? So, yeah, I think engaging in dialogue. Thank you so much for sitting down and speaking with us, Ms. Hodgins. It was good to get the perspective of teachers through you amidst this controversy. After hearing both Jason Rance and Shyla Hodgins speak about their points of view on education, I finally feel like I have a solid picture of both sides. Same here. But still, the fight continues for what education should look like. Whether you think classrooms are too liberal or want to continue evolving the curriculums that schools have now, we must continue this discourse and advocacy in a respectful and safe manner. Words and actions can have negative consequences, such as what happened with the Eastlake Patriot Day incident earlier this year. Before you blast criticism online or in the media, remember to keep an open mind and consider both sides of the story. Here's what else you need to know this week. The COVID-19 vaccine booster is now available to all adults 18 and older. If it's been six months since your last dose, everyone is highly encouraged to receive their booster. To read more about it, you can go to the DOH. To find a vaccine location near you, visit vaccinelocator.doh.wa.gov or call the COVID-19 information hotline at 1-800-525-0127, then press pound. The Sammamish Rotary Club is organizing a Christmas tree fundraiser at Pine Lake Park which goes on until December 19th. Proceeds from the fundraiser will help fund scholarships for graduating seniors at each of the three high schools here in Sammamish. And lastly, Sammamish Toys for Tots is hosting a toy drive until December 10th. Unwrapped toys can be dropped off at the donation box in front of Sammamish City Hall. Do some good for someone else this holiday season. This episode of Indian Air was produced by Julia Gudis, Sarah Dowd, and Mahek Sate. Our theme music was created by Ben Allwright and Richie Uthai Sambut. Special thanks to Jason Rance and Shyla Hodgins for speaking about education. And that's this week's episode of Indian Air. Until then, I'm Julia Gudis. Stay safe and I'll see you next time. <laughs>